Hello for lover, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Oloingo or Susana Suisuiki. Coming up. She was able to move people when she spoke publicly. Tonga's late princess remembered as a champion for women. Also, Manuele Vayaso Olingangana Samoa. Happy Samoan Language Week. Later on. I knew that this was something that I had long dreamed about. We catch up with the director behind the latest RNZ documentary. Tonga's late princess Melesiu Ilikutapu has been remembered as a champion of women. The princess died in Auckland on Sunday, aged 75. She had lived in New Zealand for the last 10 years for health reasons. Her Royal Highness was devoted to advocating for women. Koroi Hawkins spoke with RNZ Pacific correspondent Galafi Moala about Princess Siu Ilikutapu's passing. Yes, it really is a very sad day, a great loss for the kingdom in the passing of uh, uh, Her Royal Highness Princess Melissi Ilikutapu uh, in New Zealand. She was at the Auckland Hospital. Uh, I think it's important for people to know she has been in New Zealand for the past 10 years uh, on a dialysis treatment. Uh, it's the kind of kind of treatment that you cannot get in Tonga, and that's why she uh, has been in New Zealand. But even during that particular time, she was always busy and still engaged with the Tongan community and uh, championing the causes that she uh, uh, she had, particularly uh, on, on women issues. So uh, it, it's been a, a, a definitely a great loss for for uh, for us here in Tonga. And if you can explain for our listeners uh, where the princess sits in the in the royal family. Yes, she she is the 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 oldest granddaughter of Queen Salote. Uh, Queen Salote, the late Queen Salote, had two sons. Uh, the first son uh, was Taufa Ahau to both the fourth. And uh, who was the late later king, and then uh, Sulikutapu's father was the other brother, and so she's pretty high up. In other words, in our Tongan way of succession, if if for example the crown prince was uh, uh, passes away or something happened to him, the next in line will become the king or the queen. You know, and uh, she she was pretty high up. She she was about. I would say number six or seven uh, in line uh, for the crown, and uh, uh, which is why when her body is going to be brought into Tonga, the, the palace office has announced that she's going to be buried at the royal tomb. And only people who are very much at the core of the royal family are buried at the royal tomb. Now, um on past experience, uh, likely events for the coming days, probably a ceremony here in New Zealand right before the repatriation and ceremonies in Tonga? Uh, that's right. There, there'll be a, a morning uh, um, going on in New Zealand. Uh, usually it's a prayer morning time and then also here in Tonga. And they haven't announced yet how many days the morning would be in Tonga, but uh, uh, it's usually it's about 10 days, meaning that during those 10 days nationally, uh, there wouldn't be any kind of, uh, uh, you know, other celebrations 
and and then the family will be uh, holding prayer services every day of those ten days. How has the reaction been to the passing in 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 Tonga? Yes, that's a very important question because I have not seen in in, in recent years anyone uh, from the royal family or from our nobility that has passed that has gotten such a very deep emotional response like it has been with Sili Kutapu. Sili Kutapu was it's quite a different because one of, one of the things that made her completely different is she was very high up in the royal family. And yet at the same time, she was one that was very accessible, that mixed with the common people. Uh, she would go to functions and, and made speeches that was uh, uh, moving. And, and she was a, a social changer in the sense of, uh, of what she did. And uh, as, you, as you know, uh, probably she was the first female member of parliament in Tonga. She was elected in the early 1970s as a member of parliament. And so, uh, and, and since then, she has always been championing the uh, women things, that women can be in leadership, that uh, women issues, uh, how they they need to be uh, educated, they need to be uh, uh, raised uh, well, in, in, in the home and so on. So uh, people here in Tonga are really feeling her loss. Uh, she was much loved indeed. Kalafi, Malo Opito, thank you as always for your time. Okay. Thank you, Kalafi. Bye. The Samoan National Anthem was heard in church services across Aotearoa yesterday to observe the beginning of Samoan Language Week. The Samoan language Ongangana Samoa is the third most spoken language in Aotearoa, following English and Te Reo. It's also the second most spoken in Auckland. The Minister for Pacific Peoples, Barbara Edmonds, says as a New Zealand-born Samoan, this is a huge week for her. It's a real opportunity to hear it every day. Um, I'm married into a Māori family and my children, even though they have Samoan and Māori, it's English is the main language. So it's a really, um, for me, a special time um, that I can use it every day and I can hear it every day. This year's theme is Mita Mita i Ngana, Mawa Be proud of your language and grounded in your identity. Samoa's Acting High Commissioner to New Zealand, Robert Nico Ayono, says this year's theme is an important one for Samoan children living in New Zealand. The problem is we have uh, the changing changing times. It has a lot of influences to our children. And with this uh, Samoan language week, it offers an opportunity for uh, our youth, especially the young children, to, you know, to maintain and preserve our, our language. And it's also uh, an opportunity for parents and especially churches, church leaders to come together and promote the Samoan language. And New Zealand-born Samoan Felicity Leafa shares what Levayaso Olingangana Samoa means for her. Identity, family, ainga, um, traditions, um, fe'aus. <laughs> 
and um, it's coming together to celebrate all of that and to um, express it to you know people who are not Samoan to show them you know um, how our language works and um, how we showcase it to everyone. Events to celebrate the Samoan language are held across Aotearoa this week. For more information, go to Ministry of Pacific People's website. It's believed that the traditional Samoan tatau, or tattoos, has been around for more than 3,000 years. Legend has it that the tatau was gifted to Samoa from goddesses, Taima and Tilafainga, who taught the people the practice in trusting that the tatau would live on for centuries. To this day, the beauty and history of the Samoan tatau fascinates people, mainly due to the fact that the practice stood in defiance of missionaries who went to great lengths to try ban it. While it is a breathtaking work of art, the tatau is a symbol of identity, heritage and service. RNZ's newly released documentary called Tautua, Inked in Service, is told through the eyes of Samoan journalist Faiva Ese Lopepe Enric Sitani Lei, who documents his journey on receiving his tatau. In this context, Malofie Opea. Joining me on Pacific Waves is the director himself, Maloli Soifo Enric, and Happy Samoan Language Week. Tell us a bit about your documentary. So the documentary was, um, I travelled back to Samoa in December of 2022 to receive the traditional Samoan tatau or the malofie. Um This being Pacific Waves, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know what that looks like and have a fair idea of what that feels like. Um, I had no idea what it felt like until I hit the first tap of the O. Man, that hurt. That hurt. That crazy. Um, so I wanted to take a camera along, take some microphones, talk to some people, and document the journey. Why did you decide to do this documentary? I guess it was a story that I always wanted to tell. And then when I got the chance to tell my story of this story, or like, you know, tell my sort of first-person account of this story, the story of the tattoo, you know, I felt like... This was the right platform, this was the right time, everything just sort of came together and when I made the decision and I talked to my parents and my elders about receiving it and they were supportive, I knew like right there that, yeah, now we need to document this, we need to be able to share this story so that other people can see just just the beauty of of the tattoo. You're very vulnerable, honest and real about your journey with receiving the tattoo. What other challenges did you consider in the lead up and during the process of creating your documentary? I guess in the lead up it was more sorting out the logistics because um, you know with the tattoo being such a sacred part of Samoan culture there are things that the Tufunga was telling us, you know the tattooist was telling us there were things that we couldn't record um, and then there were places that we couldn't record from. Um, so it was trying to figure out how to be able to authentically tell the story in a way that is still respectful to like the culture and the traditions, not overstepping that boundary because that's the last thing that you want to do as a Pacific Islander is to step where you're not meant to step. But what I wanted for this story was to step into a space that hasn't been explored before. That's why I named the documentary Tautua instead of Tatau because we've seen a lot of Samoans who, you know, are surrounded by this. A lot of Samoans have watched countless Tatau Journey documentaries, Tatau Journey videos on YouTube. They all end up looking the same. And so I wanted this to come at it from a different angle, to step not somewhere when we're not allowed, but to step in a place that hasn't been explored yet. Talking about Tautua, talking about 
what service looks like to Samoans who live outside of Samoa or what any Pacific Islander who lives outside of their homelands. How do we in the 21st century connect the world that we live in now to the culture and the traditions of our ancestors? And so, yeah, that was a story I wanted to tell. And I feel like I feel like we did a pretty good job of that. So, yeah. In your opinion, do you have to be knowledgeable on all Samoan customs in order to receive your tatau? Because there's a saying in our culture, right? So for our listeners, that roughly translates to tattoo your mouth first before you tattoo your body. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? There was a discussion recently where that that, that saying was brought up. Tattoo your mouth before you tattoo your body. Um, and today we understand it as you have to learn how to speak someone. But then this saying came from before we moved outside of the country. What other language did we speak? We spoke Samoan. So what would they mean in saying that when everyone at that time spoke Samoan? It wasn't about the words that come out of your mouth. It's about. It's more about the intention behind the words that come out of your mouth. It's about the way that you carry yourself as a Samoan. It's about how you treat others as a Samoan. It's not so much about being able to talk. While it is important and language, you know, it connects you better to your culture. It connects you better to your roots. I don't feel like it's a prerequisite to to receive the tattoo. I feel like it's 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 such a it's such a deep topic that can take a while to unpack. But I just want to say, like, being able to speak your mother tongue in a country that's not your own is a privilege. Not everyone has the privilege to be able to speak their mother tongue. And so as long as someone is actively learning or making an effort to learn, that's more than enough. That shows where their heart is. And, you know, we all make progress in different ways. I grew up not being able to speak a lick of Samoan, but we moved to Samoa. I stayed there a number of years. That's a privilege. You know, a lot of Samoans want to move back to the homeland. They don't get that opportunity. So, yeah, it's you don't have to be fully knowledgeable, but... As someone who wears this tattoo, I guess the only other thing that I want to say to people who think about receiving it is just make sure your heart's in the right place. As long as it's love for your family, love for your culture, that's more than enough. That was Fiver Esilo Pepe, Enric Sitanile, director and writer of the RND documentary Tautua Inked and Service. You can watch the full documentary on RNZ's YouTube channel or rnz.co.nz slash news slash Tautua. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. You can also download us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. So from myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, Pafetaiti Le Lava, Tofasui Fua.